Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 432 through 434, which will cover manga chapters 531 through 533. And we get to see a very welcomed and familiar face in level 3 of the Starvation Hell in Impel Down. Alrighty, on to a quick synopsis. Now stuck in the starvation hell of level 3 and impelled down, Luffy gets a much enjoyed reunion with his savior from Arabasta in Mr. 2 Bonkre. With his help, they have to make it through the desert of level 3 while avoiding the ever monstrous guards that patrol all the levels of impelled down as they search for a way to get down to level 4 next. Alright, l so as far as differences go, there weren't really too many differences other than kind of adding a few lines here and there or maybe repeating a few joke beats to kind of extend time. And yeah, and I guess there was that one moment where they basically flashback and refresh the audience on who Bonkre is.、Uh, one example of the, the stretching is for, you know, for the scene with Buggy getting depressed over Luffy's inability to remember anything about him. Buggy kind of sulks like three times in the anime, whereas in the manga it, it only happens once. Other than that, yeah, there really isn't too many things different. It's pretty well adapted from the manga. So, without further ado, let's get into the episodes themselves. So, picking back up from the cliffhanger of last episode, Mr. Three or Galdino, who I will be referring to as such from now on since we finally get to learn his real name as of episode 433. Galdino and We, the audience, know whose voice is gleefully echoing throughout the halls of level 3, and that is our old friend, Mr. Two Boncre. And I have been so excited to see this prisoner, probably the most. When we last left him, he heroically sacrificed himself to let Luffy and the Straw Hats escape Captain Hina and leave Arabasta. But in the process, we learned that he was captured in Miss Golden Week's cover story, but we never actually got to see what really became of him. And so to see him as his usual flamboyant and gleeful self was great, especially in such a dour environment as Impel Downs has been so far. I also love that Galdino is still terrified of him since Mr. Two was sent to kill Mr. Three due to his failure at Little Garden, but that was on Crocodile's orders. And since neither of them are part of Baroque Works anymore, I don't quite know why he's freaking out so much, other than maybe personality wise, it seems like he just doesn't like Mr. Two. <laughs> In fact, he's kind of pleased to see Mr. Three, which is really weird. And, and like I've been saying this whole time, it is so surreal seeing all these past villains together. Like seeing Buggy react to Bonkre is、uh, so amazing. And of course, upon his release, hearing that Luffy is there, he immediately wants to go help him. And that is just so freaking wholesome and great. In the next scene, we get introduced to the last major guard of Impel Down, the chief guard, Sadie. Obviously, a play on the word sadist. And I gotta say, I'm honestly surprised both Shonen Jump and Toei Animation allowed this character design to pass the censors, because she's straight up wearing like a BDSM clothing, like clothing style. And she keeps her sort of devil and, and hell motif up of the entire Impel Down staff, but also following the dominatrix theming that the female guards. And impel down have along with Domino from earlier. She even kind of gets off on others' pains and moans in this really sexually, like, charged way. It's pretty insane, this character. But of course, to undercut that a bit with Oda's trademark random absurdist comedy, there's this giant koala that everyone is weirded out by standing behind her in the door, kind of creepily looking back at everybody. 
<laughs> this whole scene is so weird. One thing I was kind of shocked by when I saw this was her coloring, though. So in the manga, when I was first reading this, I had pictured her wearing like all black because of the whole BDSM thing. But it turns out she is bright pink. And now the anime isn't the first place I saw this because she actually shows up on volume, I believe it's 55's cover, and she's wearing pink. But she's even brighter in the anime. It's crazy how pink she is. But yeah, obviously, I think this was kind of to offset the mature theming of this character, <laughs> if you can even call it that. But anyways, we finally reach a canon scene of the Hancock group as they reach Ace's cell. Now, Hancock's main objective here is to tell Ace that Luffy is here to rescue him. And she does this during all the ruckus caused by the inmates going nuts for Hancock. But the main goal of this scene for us and Oda is to show us just how formidable Magellan is with his Doku Doku powers. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Also, one quick translator's note. So the inmates in Hanyabal all keep calling Magellan shitman, which is technically correct, but what they're actually calling him in Japanese is Geriyaro, which is actually, if you translated it directly, it's diarrhea guy. Because Geri is diarrhea in Japanese, so it's an even more humiliating and mocking name when you really think about it. Because Shitman can still kind of sound cool, but when you're straight up calling him a like diarrhea guy, like that's pretty bad. Despite this mocking, though, based on this one scene, you realize that Magellan is not someone you want to mess with. His poison is ridiculously effective and pretty cool looking as he spawns these poison hydra heads and strikes people with them, basically dooming them to an excruciatingly slow death, it seems like. And when I first saw this moment, I was thinking to myself, how the hell is Luffy going to fight this guy? He coats his entire body in poison. And I remember for a second when I first read this, I thought maybe he was a Logia fruit at first, but he is still clearly a Paramecia. However, even if Luffy is able to land a hit on him, he's immediately going to get poisoned, like... That is a pretty scary proposition, and you wonder, especially with the way this, this set of episodes ends, you're left on the edge of your seat as to like how Luffy is going to defeat Magellan, or how anyone defeats Magellan for that matter. And speaking of Luffy, we catch back up with him as he's cornered by the prison guards and the Sphinx, but who comes to save him in just the nick of time? It's Zoro? No, obviously it's Bonkre. Their reunion is just as magical as I had hoped, right down to him throwing in the, the in shade that he was disappointed it wasn't Zoro, but still really happy to see it was Bonchang. And luckily, Luffy has finally met someone who is actually a true ally, and even has his own goals for wanting to get down to level 5. Now, along with Mr. 3's real name, Galdino, at the beginning of episode 433, we learn that Mr. 2 Bonkre's actual name is Bentham. Although, unlike Galdino, I'm going to continue to refer to him as Bonkre since he never seems to ever refer to himself as Bentham. And I'm just way more used to calling him Bonkre, so I'm just going to keep calling him Bonkre. They make quick work of Saldeth and the Sphinx, but it's not long before they are faced with their next challenge, which is Sadie's Minotaurus, or Minotaur. Except, I love that Oda has fun with its silhouette, like... He always does when playing up our expectations, especially when it comes to like the ferocious villains. And this scary ass looking Minotaurus, only for it to eventually be revealed as this weird 
unthreatening looking creepy cow guy. And it looks almost like this cute stuffed animal if it weren't for its jacked lower half and gigantic club that it's like swinging around. <laughs> it is such a bizarre sight to see this Minotaurus drawn the way he is. And I think that, you know, personally, I think it adds to sort of the torturous nature of Impel Down. Like, yeah, those scary monsters can be pretty, you know, bad if you're a prisoner there. But I feel like seeing these creepy ass things walk around is far worse than seeing something like actually terrifying looking. Also, speaking of the the club itself, that thing must be made of sea stone because when you see Luffy is hit with it, not only does it hurt him, but it actually draws blood. What I what I also really love about this scene is that this whole time Luffy has been very conservative about his use of Gear Second since it drains a lot of his stamina and eats into his health. Not to mention, it heats up his body even further in an already scorching environment. But as soon as Bonkrei is in danger, he doesn't hesitate to use it to save his friend, which I love. Luffy eventually learns the way down to level 4 from Bonkrei in kind of a convenient fashion as they happen to be at the wall that they need to jump over. But eventually, by fate or dumb intervention, Galdino and Buggy somehow end up back with Luffy while being chased by that same Minotaurus that Luffy sent flying their way. And this whole exchange while they're running is hilarious for so many reasons. The simplest of which is probably more to do with saving money on animation. But the whole time they're running, just keep your eyes on Galdino and Boncre and their faces. It never changes from this like static, uninterested face as they're frantically running from the Minotaurs. Like just watching their faces for a good couple minutes. It's funny as hell, but the main joke here is obviously the fact that Luffy can never remember anything about Buggy and he's always annoyed or depressed about it. And this time, however, he's trying to hype up his hidden buggy ball in his shoe called the Muggy Ball. First off, how the hell did the Impel Down guards not find this thing? I get that it's tiny, but it's like, is it hidden in his shoes or something that he's wearing? But he's wearing different shoes and his entire clothes are different too. So maybe it's actually part of his body, like in his toe. But we know from when he fought Luffy in Orangetown that his feet are entirely organic with nothing in them. So this whole thing just makes no sense. But, you know, it's something that you just kind of accept. (laughs) By this point, I was so on board with Galdino and Buggy, though, working together forever. Their dynamic is freaking hilarious and great. Especially the part where Galdino points out he must have some serious confidence in this weapon if he's willing to put his own name on it. But then in a funny twist, it's very much implied that Buggy wasn't as confident in it. And on the fly, he changes the name of the new mini one to the Muggy Ball, which <laughs> Galdino promptly yells at him. The name suddenly changed. <laughs> and and yeah, that those types of humor I do miss in One Piece. And I'm glad that it, it we get flashes of it still. The next moment is awesome too as we get to see yet again Luffy's creativity and combat genius as he on the fly remembers to use a very effective strategy that was inadvertently given to him on Little Garden which he uses against Mr. Three was to use the wax hammers in combination with Luffy's crazy strength and rubber powers. So along with Bonkre they're able to finish off the Minotaurus and I don't know why but going all the way back to Dragon Ball It's always incredibly novel to see the heroes working together with past villains as allies to create 
sort of an uneasy alliance. And it's it, because it creates like this dynamic of them being very strong. And because, you know, I think this is this grouping especially is fun because it comprises some of the most like flamboyant, flashy and silly villains the series have seen so far. And their cra- crazy dynamic really shines, whether it's Galdino and Buggy's weirdly amazing chemistry to Boncle and Buggy out crazying each other. <laughs> we'll, of course, dive more into this concept later on as more and more past villains join. Before moving on, though, I just have to mention, though, that small moment they all have as they realize they're falling to level four, whether they like it or not, and got a pretty good chuckle out of me for for this whole scene. As first, they think how weird it is that the ceiling keeps getting taller before they realize it's them who's falling. (laughs) And then the whole bit of them boasting about who is actually the reason for the floor breaking apart was absolutely amazing as well. And then Galdino trying to hype his own ability, but then halfway through realizing he didn't really play much of a part. Of course, now on their way down to level four, it's not too long after this, we get to see who might be the next former villain to join our merry band of misfits. And that is the reintroduction of Mr. One or Daz Bonus. So Daz Bonus, we last saw decided to stay behind and get captured along with Crocodile in Miss Golden Week's cover story. Of course, he is a very different character from Buggy, Galdino, and Boncre. He's insanely stoic and slightly more bloodthirsty than most of those other three, so it'll be interesting to see how he figures into the group. Back in the outside world, though, we get a bit of big news concerning the Yonko leading up to the Summit War. Momonga gets word that Shanks' crew intervened with Kaido, who was preparing to engage with Whitebeard, no doubt to try and take out Whitebeard while his attention is diverted. But it seems Shanks stepped in to stop that. And looking back on this moment, at the time, I knew it was a big deal, but it didn't quite register in my head just how big of a deal this was. Of course, now knowing the true strength of both Shanks and Kaido, thanks to the current part of the manga and the anime, this is an insane and quite monumental moment that these two would clash but it's it happens totally off screen, but it, it it didn't result in that sort of big skirmish. Also, seems kind of a miracle when you really think about it. These two superpowers basically kind of mixing together. Now, the sense that I get, at least from context, is that this was Kaido trying to take advantage of Whitebeard's divided attention, where. Shanks, who seems to be somewhat on a more friendlier term with Whitebeard, basically stepped in so that Whitebeard could help Ace. Because obviously we saw earlier on that Shanks wanted to try and stop Ace from going after Blackbeard to prevent all of this from happening to begin with. So it would make sense that Shanks would still be on the lookout for Whitebeard and Ace to try and make sure that now that Ace has been captured, that Whitebeard at least has the best chance of saving him. And so that personally, I think, is why Shanks basically stepped in. And later on, spoiler alert, we do go on to find out that that really was his motivation. Now, I don't really know how to transition back into this, so I'm just going to start talking about it. And I love the gag of Magellan. You know, he has this very lavish mobile throne that he gets And he originally tries to pass it off as him liking his alone time. But in actuality, it's a custom-made throne that also doubles as a porta potty (laughs) Not to mention the little door he uses to peek out of it is amazing and just hilarious comedy. (laughs) And that's really sad and kind of genius at the same time. 
It makes sense for a guy who spends 10 hours a day pooping. It's also funny to think that given how badly this guy has diarrhea, he probably has shit his pants on several occasions despite how badass and intimidating he is. And the thought of that is always just really funny to me. Unfortunately, it's not too long before Magellan catches up to Luffy. And I remember when I first got to this point in the story, I already knew it was not going to end well for Luffy. Things were going way too well for him. He's already at level 4 with like barely any opposition. And the amount of hype Magellan was getting was off the charts. Not to mention his devil fruit power seems to be a complete mismatch for Luffy. And to be honest, I don't think many people can stand up to the Doku Doku no Mi to be, to be realistic. Like, Which is why everyone seems to be terrified of Magellan. And it really shows. Not just like the inmates but like even some of the more powerful inmates are afraid of him and the way the episode ends with both Galdino and Buggy kind of hyping up how powerful Magellan is and how terrifying he is to go up against that last scene of Magellan just like falling right in front of Luffy on the bridge and you're just you're just thinking oh my god how is Luffy going to get out of this because most likely what's going to have to happen is is he's going to have to escape there's no way he's beating Magellan But anyways, this was always a huge cliffhanger to end on, but sadly, this is where this podcast will have to end. But I can't wait to talk about Magellan vs. Luffy in this episode because it's pretty pretty impactful, I think. In any case, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment, and if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and X account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection. Check those out. As always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. No spoiler section today. So stay safe out there and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye.